changes things. It gives a clarity and it brings a calm. It's the time where I get to talk with God. I fully believe that prayer changes things. It gives me the confidence knowing it's not just me, it's Him. It allows one to recharge when they need to help others. Every time I pray, I feel God's comfort and His peace. It makes me feel more connected to the spirit I have living within me. Everyone prayed for me all at once, and I have miracle 24-weeker twins who made it through and are healthy and thriving because of prayer. He always reminds me that he is in control and has something greater planned than I could ever ask or imagine. What's up, church? How we doing, everybody? Oh, stop it. Oh, stop it. Hey, before you're seated, though, here's what I want you to do. Before you're seated, I would like you, because we were, Jen and I were in church last week, and we left this place, and we said, you know what? This is home to the greatest people on the planet. We love you guys. We are so thankful for such an amazing group of people. So I know you wouldn't clap for yourself, but would you clap for that person sitting next to you? Come on. Give it up for the best church in the world. We love you guys so much. And again, get some high fives or some air fists or whatever you feel comfortable with before you're sitting, before you're seated. Um, Let's take a minute. Let's welcome everybody who's watching online right now. And, of course, everybody who's over at that South Side, South Campus, South Campus, we love you. Come on, everybody. Would you welcome everybody who's watching with us? Man, it is so, it is so good to be back with you. Um, man, we have just had just a great summer and got a chance to get away for a little bit. But we missed you so much. And we are so stoked about this fall and getting a chance just to uh, celebrate what God is doing and get ready for all that God has for all of us. And so it's been a few minutes since I've preached. So uh, I've got like six hours of content that I'm going to share with you this morning. So (laughs) buckle up, Buttercup, because here we go. Okay, so it's going to be fun. Um, Well, I'm pumped for the fall. I really, really am. And the reason that I am is because... Uh, the fall is always a great time for us as a church. It's always a great time. People are coming back to church from summer, and I think this year especially people are coming back to church from COVID and are excited about what God's doing in their life, and I think there is no greater time for the church than right now. I think there's no greater need than the church. Uh, the, the church of Jesus Christ, a church that, that loves the Bible to raise up and to be a beacon of hope and light and truth for people. I think our time is right now, and so the fall is always a great time for that. Uh, it's also football season. Come on, Kansas City. You know what's up. It's also fo- football season. We clap for the football, but not for the church. That was... And, um, no, but it's football. It's back to school. Parents are clapping for that. You know what's up, parents. Parents are like, yes, go. You know, like, get these kids out of here. And uh, so, but it's, it's a great time. People, it's always a great time. More people in the life of our church have gotten saved during the fall. More people have gotten baptized uh, during the fall. It started new things. And so what we have done from the very beginning uh, in the life of our church is we've done something. We've dedicated the month of August to seeking God and preparing for the fall. And so th- we started branding it. We called it 30 for 30. And so it's 30 days with God, 30 minutes each day, spending time with God, and I'm going to unpack that and, and talk about what that looks like 
uh, with you here in just a few moments. But I want to encourage you to believe, God, that this month could be a month where you grow, where you take a step forward, where God does something in your life that is absolutely transformational and amazing. And I believe that that's what 30 for 30 is going to be for our church. So it's always an important time. But... This year, it's especially important. And the reason, the reason it's especially important is because we are building out our first permanent home. Come on, somebody. We are pumped. We are going to be owners. We are not going to be renters anymore. Come on, we're moving on up, everybody. It's going to be so fun. Now, now I'm going to share a little bit about that, but the reason that's significant is you have to know our story. We've been, we've, been, we've been wanderers for the last eight years, all right? So we started our church almost eight years ago in a community center, Harris Park Community Center, right next to Summit Waves. Just, just wave at me at both locations if you know where that is, you know where Summit Waves is. Okay, Highway 291, 50, okay, so we started there. And it was a gym, and it's three basketball courts. It's all one room, and it had two kids' classrooms. All right, so there's none of this, like, infants and toddlers and preschool and elementary. It was none of that. It was younger and older. That was it. <laughs> yeah, little kids and bigger kids. <laughs> that was it. And so, and, and there, was no, there was no walls in the room, all right? We just had pipe and drape. We'd go in there, we'd set up pipe and drape to kind of make it a little bit smaller. And, uh, and there was just fabric, very light fabric that we had separating uh, everybody out. And so, literally, the, uh, the, the community center had bathrooms, kind of like a gym where you just kind of walk in. There's no real doors that separated the bathroom from the gym, which was AK also our auditorium. Okay, so just imagine this for a moment. There's no, there's no doors. So when you would hear someone, wood floor, walk to the bathroom, you know, and I could, like, especially if it was a girl, I could hear the heels, you know, and I, like, I'll be preaching, and I could hear the heels, and I just start preaching louder because you could hear the, the toilet flush every time. Like, the whole room could hear it. And so I was just praying every time someone went to the bathroom, oh, God, please let no one get sick in Jesus' name. I'd be preaching, but I'd be praying at the same time because <laughs> I knew we'd just have to stop church, you know, to have a moment. So we were portable for two years, and then we moved into this space. And North Campus, and we signed a six-year lease because uh, that's all we could afford. You, you know, the longer you sign, the cheaper it gets. So we signed this six-year lease, and we're all excited about moving in, and we can't wait, and okay, this is going to be amazing. And we start growing so fast. We outgrow at two services, three services. We added a Saturday night, packed out, and then we started South Campus. And so we've been growing there, and we knew all along that we wanted a permanent place. And we're asking God, praying, asking God, seeking God, God, give us a place to call our own. And God started speaking to us about merging with Lee Summit First Church three and a half years ago. So we started praying, started talking, and that became a reality in March of this year. And with that, we got a 24,000-square-foot building and eight acres of ground in probably the best location in our city. Come on, somebody. God is real. God is real. Okay, so it feels really good, and, and we're going to be sharing all kinds of details over the next weeks. I, I'd love to have you at a dessert tour so you can experience it and pray for this space, and, and we're going to dedicate that to the Lord. Um, but I want to share one detail with you today, if I can. Is that all right? If I, is it okay if I share? You all can talk back to me. I just want you to know that, like, 
Uh, I want to share one detail with you today. Um, we recently, because we had this great, all this, this great campus, we're trying to develop the whole campus. And we're really believing God's put a, a pretty big vision in our heart to be a place of hope and life and light to the whole city, to the whole metro area. And it's going to be headquartered right here. And so uh, God brought the building right next to it. It's a Unity Village building. Some of you may know that. Um, it's right next to it. It looks like Noah's Ark, if you've ever, if you've ever driven by it. All right, it's just a big building. Looks like a boat. Uh, we bought that two weeks ago, okay? And so our master plan, come on, somebody. That's pretty exciting. We bought that. We're going to use that as a ministry center. We're going to use that as a ministry center. We're going to have student ministry. We're going to have team development. We're going to have discipleship classes. We're looking at putting a coffee shop in there. We're going to have our studio space. We're going to have counseling services. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. And so let me show you. Here's just a little rendering of what the ministry center will look like with the uh, two-phase campus approach there. So that's really exciting. We're just thanking God, and we are pumped. Come on. Aren't we just excited about all that God's doing. If you're new, you're like, man, these people really like to clap. <laughs> we do. Um, okay, so here's why this moment really matters. I really believe today matters. It's why I'm glad you're here. It's why I'm glad you're at South Campus. It's why I'm glad you're watching online. Today matters because I believe how we handle this moment that we are in right now will determine how we step in to the next moment. I think this is always true when, when you are getting ready to step into something new. You have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to, to dedicate it to God. You have an opportunity to reprioritize your life. You have an opportunity to make sure you handle it in the right way. And 30 for 30 is the perfect answer, and it's at the perfect time for us as a church. And I want to look at a passage of Scripture that... That really is the quintessential passage of Scripture when you're stepping into something new. It's Joshua chapter 1, okay? Joshua chapter 1. If you've been around church for a while, um, you know that pastors, when they're talking about something new, they'll go to Joshua chapter 1, okay? Because it's what pastors do. There are a couple of things that, you know, passages that talk about newness, and Joshua chapter 1 was one of them. So a few weeks ago, I started praying about it. I like, that's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit cliche, but let me look at Joshua chapter 1. And what's cool about it, for us especially, is because Joshua chapter 1 is the moment where the nation of Israel moves from wanderer to resident. And so they, they move from just setting up tents to actually having a home. And I thought, man, it just couldn't relate more closely to where we are right now. And so Joshua chapter 1, I want to read a very powerful passage of Scripture that certainly speaks to where we are as a church, but I believe speaks and God wants to speak to where you are as a person and where you are as a family. Joshua chapter 1, we're going to read this. Turn there in your Bibles. I'd like for you to follow along in your phones. We'll have it on the screens as well. But let me give you a little bit of context for this passage. Just like I kind of shared our stories at church, it helps to know the background to really appreciate what you're about to experience. And so the context for Israel is they had been wandering for 40 years. But actually, they'd been wandering for way longer than that. They'd been wandering since they first received this promise that God was going to give them a land to call their own. And it goes all the way back to this guy named Abraham. All right, anybody here, Abraham? You know, Abraham, Father Abraham. He had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I, I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Okay, so. 
Some of you have been in church, you know that. Some of you haven't been in church, you're like, this dude's crazy. Like, you're thinking, what's going on here? All right. Uh, Abraham, God picks Abraham and gives him a promise. Look at this, Genesis chapter 12. It says this, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. Here's, pause, put a pin in that, think about this for a moment. God just picks Abraham out of nowhere. He doesn't do anything to deserve it. He's not really worthy of it. God just says, I want to do something good, and you're going to be the person who brings it about. That just shows you how good God is. And that promise that Abraham experienced is the promise that God wants all of us to walk in. That God wants to do something great in our lives. That God wants to do something great through our lives. Like that's the promise of God. That's what God wants to do in your life. And if you believe it, say, I do. All right, so then God takes him to the land and shows him the land he's going to give him. Now watch this in verse 6. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. Now, who's the, who's the land going to? It's going to his offspring, right? So Abraham gets a promise, but he's not promised to experience the land. It's his offspring who are going to get the land. Now, here's the problem with that. Abraham doesn't have any offspring. And he's 75 years old. And nothing against 75-year-olds, but they're not usually known for their baby-making prowess, you know? So here's this, there's this moment where he's got this promise, like, all of my kids are going to experience the land, but I don't have any kids, and God, I'm 75. But God can do anything, right? God can do anything. And so God gives him a son to his wife, and the son's name is Isaac. And the promise of this land and the promise of grace and the promise of hope and the promise of a Messiah rests with Isaac. And Isaac has a son named Jacob. And then Jacob has many sons. But his favorite is a son named Joseph. And Joseph is a dreamer. Now, how many of you are dreamers in the house? Come on, both locations. Just raise your hand. Any dreamers in here, okay? Some of you like to dream. Some of you like believe for great things. Some of you, you, know, you grew up with the person in, uh, in school who believed, like, they were going to be the president of the United States. You guys ever met this person? Like, they're in high school, and, like, you know, some people are like, well, you want to be a fireman? Oh, what do you want to be? Oh, I want to be a baseball player. What do you want to be? The president of the United States, and it's going to happen. You ever meet that person? That's Joseph. Joseph believes, he thinks this is going to happen, and it actually does. He becomes ruler over the whole nation of Egypt. It's absolutely incredible. And so because he's the ruler and because there's a famine in the land, the whole nation comes to live in Egypt under his care, and they have a comfortable and good life for, for generations. And because they have a comfortable and good life, they do whatever people do when they have a comfortable and good life. They have lots of babies. And so that's what happens. There's lots of babies that happen in, in Israel while they're in Egypt, and they have so many babies that Pharaoh, who doesn't remember Joseph or his story, decides to enslave the people because he's afraid that they're going to take over. And they're enslaved for 430 years. Everybody say, that's a long time. That's a long time. And so they're far from the promise that God first gave to Abraham. Can I pause for a moment? Maybe some of you feel like that today. 
Maybe you feel like you're supposed to do something significant with your life. Maybe you feel like there, there could be a God who does love you, who is interested in you, who does have a plan for your life, and yet you feel stuck. You feel trapped. You feel like you can't get going. Let me just tell you that God, in the same way that he does for the nation of Israel, he wants to deliver you. So God sends a deliverer, and his name is Moses. And Moses raises up in the land of Egypt, and he's, he grows up in Pharaoh's household. Actually, he's, he's, he's adopted. Even though he's an Israelite, he lives in Pharaoh's household, so he knows the players. He knows the way that the palace game is played, and he, he grows up, and he's, he's got some royal privileges. But he sees someone hurting an Israelite, and he kills that person. And because he kills that person, he gets on the run. And God meets him in the wilderness and gives him a calling. It's a calling to set the people free. So he sends them back to Egypt. And he says, hey, God wants, God wants to set the people free. Pharaoh says no. And God says, I'll give him ten plagues. All throughout the Old Testament, ten plagues. And you see this. And it ends, it culminates with the people of Israel walking through the Red Sea as on dry land, and they look behind him, and the, Israel, or the Egyptian army chases them, and then God lets the sea come back together and washes all behind them. They experience a great miracle, and they are a 12-day journey away from experiencing the promised land. 12 days from the Red Sea to the promised land. So they get there. It's this amazing moment. They're about to step into all that God has for them. And Moses says, all right, I want to send 12 spies just to know what we're getting into. He's a good general. He's wanting to spy everything out. He sends 12 spies into the land. Ten of them come back and say, we can't do it. And there's two that say we can, Joshua and Caleb. Ten say, there's no way. And Joshua and Caleb say, yes, God will make a way. God said he wants us to have it. He's going to give it to us. Ten say no. Two say yes. And how many of you know the nation of Israel listened to the ten? And because they don't have faith in a moment where they're about to step into their next, their next season as, an, as a nation, they have to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years until that whole generation dies out. And only Joshua and Caleb are going to get to go into the promised land. And that's where Joshua chapter 1 picks up. Moses dies, and now Joshua is the new leader. But before they step into this, they're going to have to do something. They're going to have to prioritize. They're going to have to plan. They're going to have to pray. They're going to have to get their stuff together. If you're taking notes, write that down at the top of your page. Get your stuff together. And we're going to read this Joshua chapter 1. And if you're ready to grow, see I am. All right, here we go. Joshua chapter 1. It starts with this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. 
I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Now, over the next few verses, God tells Joshua something very specific and something very powerful. And it's so powerful that it motivates Joshua to lead the people in the way that he's about to lead them in verse 10. Check this out. We'll come back and pick that up in a second. But verse 10, he says this. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp, tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. He says, get your provisions ready. Do you know what he's saying? Get your stuff together. Get your stuff together. God has something great that he wants to do in your life, but you have an opportunity. You have a choice to make to whether step into all that God has for you or miss it completely. And it all comes down to getting your stuff together. Now, what's this, what's this talking about? They've got to get the provisions ready. Some, they've got to have enough provisions for the journey, but not too many provisions to weigh them down so that it limits their effectiveness. See, what they've got to do is they've got to prioritize. They've got to plan. And most of all, they've got to pray because God is ready to do something amazing. And yet, how they approach it has everything to do with how much of God they experience. So look at this in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. Joshua told the people, this is just a few chapters later, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. He says, we're about to step into this. But before we do, I want you to consecrate yourself. I want you to dedicate yourself. I want you to pray. I want you to seek God. Because God is getting ready to take us into a new season, and we don't want to miss out on anything that he has for us. And that's where we are as a church, and I believe that's where you are as an individual. I believe that's where you are as a family. That God wants to take you into something new. God has something. He wants to bring you into a promised land. Sure, collectively, us as a church, he absolutely does. He is bringing us into a promised land. But I believe for you as well personally, this is a great opportunity. This month is a chance for you to step in to something new, something powerful. The plan and the purpose of God, the goodness and the grace of God, the prosper and the success that God wants to bring to your life. He wants to bring it. The question is, will you get your stuff together? Will you get your stuff together? Okay, Scott, well, how do we do that? Well, I believe the key is in the verses, verses 7 through 9 of chapter 1, where God speaks to Moses. I'm sorry, God speaks to Joshua, and he gives them something very specific in chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. He says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey. Everybody say obey. Come on, everybody at both locations with strength say obey. Obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Verse 8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate. Everybody say meditate. 
Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And I believe what he's saying here is have faith. He's saying believe. Everybody say believe. He wants us to do three things. Obey, meditate, believe. Write those down. I believe God has more for you. I believe God has more for your family, more for your business. And it's, and it's linked to these three things. Are we going to obey? Are we going to meditate? And are we going to believe? It's so simple and yet it's so profound. I want to unpack this together. And we're going to find out how to step into this new season. Amen? We're going to learn how to do three things. Obey, meditate, and believe. All right. Before we do, I want you to find three people and say, Hey, man, you got to get your stuff together. Come on, find three people and just tell them, hey, you got to get your stuff together. Get your stuff together. Okay, let's look at this. Number one, he wants us to obey. He wants us to obey. Look, he says, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do you know that God wants you to be successful do you know that God wants you to be prosperous that's not a version of Christianity that is Christianity like God wants to bless you God wants to strengthen you God wants you to walk in promise God wants you to walk in abundance Jesus brings online the promise of Abraham and it's not just for a nation it's for all of us Whosoever will believe. God wants you to walk in that, that prosperity, that blessing. But you can see that it is linked to obedience. It's linked to obedience. Now, how many know obedience is, is easier said than done? It's easier said than done. My, my, my daughter, Eden, she's three years old. And she's so, she wants to go to school so bad. She like, she's, her older brothers go to school, so she, she wants to go to school. She thinks, she puts her backpack on every time. She calls it her backpack. She puts her backpack on every time they go to school. She wants to go to school. So they have a daycare at the school next year where the kids go to school, so we're going to put her in two days a week so that she can go to school. She is so excited. Like, she's picking out her clothes already. She's three. She's picking out her clothes. She's picking out her shoes. She's literally stuffing her backpack full of snacks. In fact, if you see her walking around with it right now, you could open it up. You'll probably find some Cheetos and some Doritos and some Lay's potato chips. I mean, she is she was ready. But we told her, we said, hey, in order to go to school, you know, you're going to be there. You're going to have your friends. You're going to have everything. But you have to listen to your teacher. And so she's been saying, I got my backpack, I got my shoes, I got my dress, and I'm, I'm going to listen to my teacher. I'm going to listen to my teacher. I'm going to listen to my teacher. And Jen and I are like, yeah, right. Because <laughs> we know her. <laughs> we know her. She is independent. She is opinionated. And she does not do what she does not want to do. How many of you know it's easy to talk about obedience and it's difficult to live obedience? And what am I talking about when I say obedience? I'm talking about, again, these, these first five books of the Old Testament. God says to Joshua, be careful to obey all the law. Everybody say all the law. All the law. Have you ever read the first five books of the Old Testament? Like, it's intense. 
Like, there's a couple stories in there, Genesis, Exodus, it's like good, and then it's just, woo, it gets heavy. It's like, this is, this is what he's having to, to live out, all the law, all the law. Some of these commands make sense. Some of these commands don't make a lot of sense. Some of these commands are going to be difficult to carry out. Some of these commands, like, Joshua's not going to feel like it. How many of you know God didn't say, I want you to obey some of the law. I want you to obey the law that you agree with. I want you to obey the law that social media would say, this is what God would think on this. He says, I want you to obey all the law, everything, all of it. He's saying, I want you to follow this because, because your obedience to what I've told you to do is going to be linked to the amount of blessing that you will experience. And this has everything to do with two things in our life. Number one, it's this. Obedience is aligning our wills with God. Let me, let me explain this to you. Obedience is aligning our wills with God. When we obey what God says, we line up with who God is. We literally are aligning ourselves with the nature of God. Peter, the apostle in the New Testament, when talking about this principle, is saying this matters today. This isn't just an Old Testament thing. This matters today. He says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in what? All you do. Is it up there? Be holy in what? All you do. All you do. For it is written, be holy for I am holy. So God is holy. He's perfect. And when we bring holiness into our lives, when we bring obedience to God in our lives, we are aligning with the nature and the person of God. And what, that ha what happens when that happens? The blessing of God gets unleashed. Because God can never bless sin. Like you can be saved. And how many of you know your salvation can be pretty weak? Because you're continuing to live in disobedience. You're continuing to play with the things of the world. You continue to sin. You can miss out on all of the blessing that God wants to bring in your life. You've got to align yourself with who God is. And when you do that, it's like <laughs> Niagara Falls. It's like the Niagara Falls of blessing in your life. That's what God wants to do. You align yourself with the obedience to God and with God, and there's blessing right there. God can never bless sin, but he always blesses obedience. Some of you, that's going to be a word for you today because God wants to, he wants you to step. He wants you to move away from disobedience to obedience. He wants you to stop messing around with the thing that's tripping you up, and he wants to help you step up in Jesus' name. Obedience is also this. It's submitting to the authority of God. See, obedience is saying, God, I give you the authority over my life. I'm making you first and foremost. I'm saying your will wins. I'm saying you get a chance to call balls and strikes. And you know what this means? Not letting the world dictate what is right and what is wrong. Not letting your feelings dictate what is right. What's right to me? Do you know we live in a culture that elevates feeling as an utmost? Listen, as long as we do that, we will always miss out on the blessing of God. We got to say, God, no, not my way, but your way. God, like Jesus prayed, God, not my will, but your will be done. The authority in my life belongs to God and God alone.
And when we do that, there's blessing. Now, here's the thing. This is going to be critical for Joshua as he leads this nation over the next few chapters. You can see it. As they, as they walk in righteousness, they walk in blessing. But you can see even in Joshua chapter 7, as soon as Joshua chapter 7, you have a guy named Achan, and he takes some of the stuff that, doesn't, that he shouldn't have taken, and because of it, Achan taken, Achan's taken, taken, Achan. That's what we're going to call him, taken Achan. He, take, he took what didn't belong to him, and he took what was wrong, and because he took what was wrong, the whole nation gets stuck. And they can't move forward in the blessing of God. I want to say, I, I, I could venture to believe that there are probably some people here today at the South Campus watching online that you're stuck, and you're wondering, why am I stuck? And the reason you're stuck is because you're allowing, you're still allowing disobedience into your life. You're allowing areas, you're giving the devil a foothold in your life, and he wants to set you free. He wants you to walk in the promise. But you got to make a decision and say, God, your authority is the authority in my life. But it's not only not doing the bad things, it's also doing the good things. Like, he wants you to be obedient to the good things. He, he, wants, he wants that collectively and individually. It's like loving the unlovable, forgiving those who don't deserve it, getting involved in community of the church, serving, giving, sacrificially so that others can find and follow Jesus. That is the blessing that God wants us to walk in. And the reality is it's not going to be easy all the time. See, I know some of you, you'd be like, oh, Scott, you don't know for me. <laughs> You know, I know obedience is you have to because you're a pastor and, you know, I guess it's kind of your thing. But for me, it's really hard. Like, if you just knew my story, like, it's, it's hard. I got a lot. I'd be like, I know. We all do. We all struggle. We all stumble. But we got to say, but God, I'm going to grab a hold of that higher calling in Jesus' name. And I'm not going to let my feelings or my issues or my backstory or my past define me. I'm grabbing hold of what you have for me. And I'm going to obey. And that's honestly what 30 for 30 is all about. 30 for 30 is about taking this month and like fasting some things. Maybe some things that trip you up. Maybe it's getting involved. Maybe some relationships that trip you up. Maybe it's some social media stuff that trips you up. You could fast some social media. Maybe fasting the news so that you can walk in all that God has for you. Fasting behaviors, addictions. You say, God, I want all that you have. I want to step into this promised land, and I want to experience all that you have. And we know this. When we do it, we're going to find God. Look at, look at Jeremiah 29. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Isn't that good news, church? That's what God wants for us. That's what 30 for 30 is. It's a chance to seek God. All right, second thing. Everybody say number two. Meditate. Want to meditate. Look at this, verse 8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Obey and you'll be successful. Meditate and you will be successful. This is meditating on what? On the law. On the word of God so that we can be careful to do it. Now, this word meditate is the word haggah, and it means to moan, to growl, to utter, to speak, to muse. It's, very, it's a very vivid word, isn't it? It's like you're thinking about the word. You're dreaming about the word. You're, you're like almost delighting yourself in doing the word of God. And some of you are like, 
that's not me. <laughs> I'm not there. How do you get there? Two ways. Two ways you get there. Number one, you hear the word. If you want to love the word, you've got to hear the word. You've got to listen to the word. You've got to read the word. You've got to let the word of God. And here's the thing. Joshua only had five books, right? We've got the whole Bible. We've got the whole Bible that we can dive in and just begin to meditate. And that word meditate is kind of like a cow chewing the cud. That's what it means. It's like, mm, mm. It's a chow, chow or a cow? Cow chow. It's a cow chow is what it is. Chewing the cud. And you know what happens when the, when the cow chews the cud? It swallows it, and then it spits it back up again. <laughs> So you're like, that's really gross. Yeah, and it keeps chewing it. That's the idea. It's like, man, I'm letting the word of God get in me. I'm chewing. I'm thinking. I'm delighting it. And the only way that that's going to happen is, is when you read it. And when you read the word of God, guess what happens? You find God. You find God. It's incredible. Look at John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. When you read God's word, you find God. Some of you are looking for God. Some of you are looking for hope. You're looking for purpose. You're looking for peace. You're looking for encouragement. Let me just tell you this. The world is never going to give it to you. The world is going to leave you hanging. And yet, if we keep going back to the world, we're never going to find the hope that God has for us. We're never going to find the promise that God has for us. We're only going to find it in the word of God. So you get in there, you start chewing on it, you start meditating on it. There's all kinds of plans. There's, a, there's an app that you can get. There's all kinds of plans you can go through. Uh, you can read on your phone. You can read a paper version. I do both. Um, there's, there's plans. One of them is a 30-day shred, where you read the whole Bible in 30 days. Some of you really want to get ripped spiritually. <laughs> Just don't be coming and showing off your abs. That's not appropriate, all right? But you want to get ripped spiritually, you may want to just dive into that. Spend time reading the word. Then you want to pray on the word. You want to pray on the word. See, in Jerusalem to this day, at the Western Wall, the most holy place in all of Israel, people, they still pray at the Western Wall, and they'll be praying, and you can, and you see, I've seen them, been there. And they'll pray, and they're just, and they're murmuring. They're, they're talking to God, and they're rocking back and forth, and sometimes they'll put their prayers in the wall, and they're praying. It's almost like they're speaking the word of God back to God. This is a little technique of prayer. And this is why you have to know the word of God so that you can pray the word of God back to God. It's almost like we're reminding God about what he said. But how many know God doesn't need any reminding? Who needs the reminding? We do. So here's what, here's what it's like. It's like, you're, like you're, you're getting in prayer. You read the word, and you start praying. You're like, God, I just thank you right now because, you know, I'm getting ready to go in my day. And, God, I thank you that, that you are my ever-present help in my time of trouble. God, I thank you that you are my rock and my shield, that you are my foundation, that you are my fortress. You start praying biblical truth back to God. You got, God, I thank you that I, am, that I am an overcomer, that I am more than a conqueror, that I'm a child of God, that I am a child of the king with the mind of Christ and that God you have a great purpose for my life you start praying that truth back to God and watch your day change you start murmuring on the word of God see there's not a day like if, if I spend time in the word of God and I'm reading it you know what I'll start thinking I'll think about God later 
I think about God's word later, and I start praying it back to God. It's always on my mind. And so you know what happens? The devil has less hold in my life. This world has less hold on my life. I'm less interested in the things of this world. I'm more interested in the things of his kingdom. And when that happens, the blessing of God follows. Promised land. It's what God has for you. It's what God has for me. It's what God has for our church. The question is, will we experience it? you got to pray a little bit. I want to encourage you for this uh, 30 for 30. You can take 30 minutes with God for 30 days. Some of you are like, as soon as I say that, you're like, oh, 30 minutes. What am I supposed to do for 30 minutes? I know, I get it. Like, if you're new to prayer, I get it, right? It seems like a long time. You know, you'd be like, hey, God. It's been a while. Well, 29 minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> it might be a little hard at first. You know what I encourage you to do? Read the Bible for 10 minutes, make a prayer list, pray over that prayer list for 10 minutes, things that you're believing God for, and then worship for 10 minutes. It's the, it, that could be that easy for you. 30 minutes with God. You'll, you'll, you'll see it flies by. As soon as I say that, some of you are like, 30 minutes, God? That's a little weak, isn't it? Some of you Bible scholars, some of you long-time Christians, you're like, 30 minutes, really? That's all we're challenged? 30 minutes? I do 30 minutes for breakfast. <laughs> well, then do 30 more minutes. <laughs> do 30 minutes of reading, 30 minutes of praying, and 30 minutes of worshiping. Or 30 minutes of praying with your kids. Doing a little Devo and pray with your kids. 30 minutes of praying with your spouse. Now you start, you see, 30 minutes isn't the goal. 30 minutes is how you stretch yourself wherever you need to be stretched. You can pray for 30 minutes just for the church. We'll take it. Come on. We need it. The point is that you're moving forward, and as you do that, you are going to see God move in your life, and you will be prosperous and successful. But all of it is going to come down to this, and it's the third thing, and it's this. It's believe. It's believe. Obey. You line yourself up with the authority of God, with the nature of God. You, you meditate. You you, you pray, you think, you pray, you think on the word, and then you believe it. Do you know what allowed Joshua to go into the promised land? Forty years prior, what was it? He believed. He believed. There's ten other people who didn't believe. There was two who did, Joshua and Caleb. And God says, because you believed, you're going in. You're going in. Can I tell you that belief and faith is a key for you to experience the promised land in your life? Do you actually believe this stuff? Do you believe that there is a God that created the world, that loves you, has a plan for your life, wants to do amazing things in your life? Do you believe it? Then let it get you up in the morning and say, I can't wait to go meet with God, just like David prayed. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Joshua believed, but here's the thing. I want to encourage you with this. He was still afraid. You say, why was he afraid? Scott, how do you know he was afraid? Because in Joshua chapter 1, God tells him about 65 times, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Why is he telling that so many times? Because God knew Joshua was afraid. 
Because, again, it's one thing to say, oh, Moses, you can do this. It's another thing when you're the man. And you got all that responsibility. And they're giants in this land. They're not, like, just walking over and being like, all right, you can set up tents over there. they got to go conquer cities. they got to go fight some battles with people who, like, aren't, like, militarily trained necessarily. Like, they're not necessarily, like, ready to do this. But God's going to go before them. They just have to believe. They've got to take a city, and you know what they had? They got cities, fortified cities with giants. You know what they have? They've got a, they've got a box. Let me show you. It's the Ark of the Covenant. There's a picture. It's all they've got. Literally a box with some carrying poles on it. But in that box are the Ten Commandments, proof that God was going to lead them, that God was going to speak to them. In that box was, a, was, a, was the rod of Aaron that budded, basically proof that God could do anything, that the miraculous power of God was going before them. And then in that box was a bowl of manna that they had been miraculously provided while they were in the wilderness to remind them that God would be their provision. But most importantly, what that box represented was the presence of God. And that God said, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Can I tell you that that's, what, that's the most important thing that God wants to bring into our heart, that God wants us to know, regardless of your past, regardless of what you might be going through right now, regardless of how you felt coming in, that the presence of God wants to be with you and to go before you. The question is, do you believe it? Will you grab a hold of it by faith? That's what, the, that's what this Christianity is all about. It's about saying, God, I'm going to grab a hold of that. Even though I can't see it, I'm going to believe it. And as you grab a hold of it, you're going to step in to the promised land for you, for your family, for your business, for our church. We're going to believe, and God is going to go before us in powerful ways. Amen? I want to take a moment. I want us to dedicate our hearts to God. So would you stand at both locations? Just take a moment. This is a very important moment. And some of you, you may, you may not even know Jesus. This is your time to say, God, I want to know you. you know, if you don't have a relationship with God, this is a great time to say, God, I want to know you. For those who know God, this is a chance to rededicate your life to God. You say, you know what? I've been messing around with some stuff. I need to obey. I need to step my game up. I need to get my stuff together. It's time for us to get into the word. It's time for us to read the word. It's time for us to grab a hold of God's promises. It's time for us to pray. And it's time for us to believe and walk in the promises he has for us. Amen? So here's what I'd like us to do at both locations. Would you just lift your hands to God as an offering and say, God, you can have it all. I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm going to let you determine what's right and what's wrong. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to seek you with all of my heart. I'm dedicating the next 30 days. I'm dedicating the next 30 days to following you and to experiencing all that you have for us. Lord, we ask you to have your way in our hearts, in our families, Lord. In our marriages, God, we dedicate them to you, God, and we, we, we reject the things that have held us back and we grab hold of the things that will help pull us forward in Jesus' name. And we pray for a new day. We pray for a new moment. We pray for a new relationship with you. 
And we just give it to you, God. We dedicate it and we say, have your way in us and through us. So we are believing you for the greatest days ahead of us. Certainly as a church, Lord, for us as individuals and families, God, we just ask you, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we need you. We ask you for your help. And we say, Lord, you can have every aspect of our lives. We dedicate it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.